noticed in life, in your life perhaps, that there seems to be a relationship between the depth uh, of importance that you consider yourself and the, the ability, the ease by which you might feel and be slighted by someone else. Have you ever noticed that about your life or in life in general? When we take ourselves too seriously, we can find ourselves very easily slighted by others. Now, I'm not talking about uh, taking issues seriously or, or a serious approach to matters of weightiness and importance. What I'm talking about is an elevated sense of myself. Thinking too much of myself often leads me to a place where I can be slighted more often than I should feel. Uh, an example, way back when I was a teenager, many, many years ago, I, uh, I remember probably 17 years old, I was driving my car in, in a small town, and uh, there was a person who cut me off, it was on a surface road, I wasn't even going that fast, and the person decided to turn right in front of me at a stop sign, and it filled me with rage. And I don't know where this rage come, came from. I mean, I know what was happening to me as a 17-year-old kid. And uh, I know all the things that was going on that were going on in my body. And uh, all that came with that. But I was so filled with a sense of self-importance that how could this man confront me? You know what I did? I made such a wise decision. I decided that I would follow him. And I was tailgating him almost bumper to bumper around every curve in through a neighborhood section and uh, until finally my sense of being slighted began to ease and calm renewed in my heart. Now I want you to know that I've mellowed over the years. Praise the Lord. And uh, it certainly is thanks to learning more and more the way of Jesus. And even more so, what our topic today is, is the way of meekness. The way of meekness. Meekness, you see, is a word that is in desperate need in our day today, I believe. You see, offense and slight, feeling slighted, is taken so often by so many about so much in the world. Many lives seem like tinderboxes. And when even the slightest sense of offense happens, it's like a, a lit match being tossed into the middle of our soul and <clears throat> inferno ensues. Jesus tells us today that blessed are the meek. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, we come across the third beatitude that we are focused on. In these weeks, Jesus himself says this in his great Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness is rarely celebrated in the world today. Have you ever noticed that? Meekness is not something you often find in a headline. Meekness is not something you, you will commonly see in an interview or on a late night talk show. Uh, because when we think about things that are meek, people who are meek, what is, what is the immediate association in your mind? It's probably you think of weakness or softness or cowardice. But I want you to know the Bible presents meekness in a very different way. Way. Blessed are the meek, Jesus said, for they will inherit the earth. Now, the Greek dictionary that I like to use so often, it, it defines meekness this way. 
It says, it is not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. I want to read that again. Not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance. This word in Greek that Jesus uses in, in this verse, it can also be translated as gentle. It can be translated as humble or considerate and certainly meek. You know, so often I think we go through life and, and if we're being introduced to somebody new, I think often we entertain the thought, wouldn't it be great if my reputation and, and all was so known out there, when somebody meets me, they might say, your reputation precedes you, right? And, that, and that's a fanciful thought that many of us have about ourselves because we think often and a lot about our sense of self-importance. But I think most of us would be helped if occasionally we actually heard in being introduced to someone something more along these lines, that your reputation exceeds you. Do you get what I'm saying? Is that, that we can step into a sense of meekness because meekness is a characteristic of Jesus. Meekness is a quality that Jesus himself embodied uh, Jesus was often slighted on the earth when he lived among us, but he was not easily angered. Jesus was often slighted, but he was not easily angered. In fact, the, the very people putting him to death on a cross, he, he asked the Father that they might be forgiven because they do not know what they are doing as one example. You see, meekness does not mean weakness. Jesus was no weak man. Jesus is one who had contained power. The Bible says that Jesus had all authority in heaven, had been given unto him. And you know what he does toward the last, latter part of the Gospel of John? All authority had been given to Jesus. And instead of going and making a display of that power and that authority, you know what he does? He takes off his outer garment and he wraps a towel around his waist and he fills a water basin and he goes and serves because he is a servant. He is meek. He could have called down legions of angels to help him in his, his most desperate time of need, but he didn't do that. He, he knew what it was and he demonstrated the ability to have power that's under control, strength that is under control. Meekness has nothing to do with Weakness, meekness has everything to do with being self-controlled and being settled in who we are in the Lord. You see, the meek, we often think about meek people being doormats upon uh, what do you do when you come to a doormat? Not only do you step on it, but you wipe your feet on a doormat, right? We often think in our world, this is why meek people are not often and quickly celebrated in the world, because we assume they're doormats. Doormats that lay down at the, at the first sign of trouble. Doormats that other people step over, step on, and wipe their feet upon as they go across. But I want you to know that doormats, the way the Bible describes meekness, that the meek are not doormats. Uh, they are people who control their strength. In fact, this, this idea of meekness uh, is also thought about with the idea of a horse. You know, these magnificent creatures, horses, beautiful muscular, strong horses uh, that uh, they have this great strength about them, but when you put a bit into their mouth, that strength is able to be literally harnessed, and it's literally able to be controlled. They don't lose their 
string that's just directed now in a particular fashion. And that is what meekness is in our life. You see, meekness, just like Jesus, means that we are not easily angered. We are not easily provoked. Because if you're easily provoked, then you're actually at the mercy of the person who is provoking you. You're at the mercy of the aggressor. And so you are actually becoming controlled by them and their actions. And in the process, you then become the doormat, not the meek person. The one who is unable to control uh, being provoked easily in their anger. Albert Barnes, a 19th century American pastor and theologian, he says this about meekness. He says, meekness is patience in the reception of injuries. It is neither meanness or a surrender of our rights, nor cowardice. But it is the opposite of sudden anger, of malice, of long-harbored vengeance. Jesus, he embodies this idea of meekness. In fact, he invites us to come and learn more about meekness and how to live the life of gentleness like he lived himself. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. That word gentle used there is the same word used in Matthew 5, 5, that blessed are the meek. Jesus says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, meekness in the life of a follower of Jesus is right and good and is something that should uh, begin to describe our lives over the course of our time with Jesus because meekness is characterized in the life of Jesus. Meekness is also the way of some of our, our great uh, leaders of the past. In fact, meekness was the way of Dallas Willard as he was a disciple himself of Jesus, Dallas Willard. Uh, many of you will know uh, a great uh, minister in his own right, an author, a philosophy teacher at the University of Southern California. Uh, he died recently, but in a book titled The Allure of Gentleness, he says, what we need in the world is not a gentleness marked by passivity. That's not the gentleness, not the meekness that we need. But a gentleness, a glow with shoulder-to-shoulder journeying together over the steep hills and through dark valleys. Dallas Willard's daughter um, helped compile some of his teachings and writings into a book that was published after Dallas Willard's death. It's, it is titled The Allure of Gentleness. It's actually about apologetics and how to do apologetics in the way of Jesus in this gentle manner. And not just in the way of winning an argument, but in the, the preamble of the book, Dallas Willard's daughter describes her dad, and she says this, that gentle is a word frequently used to describe my father. He had a gentleness that seemed to come from his many years in the light and easy yoke of Christ. Is gentleness an absence of power or a power born through the Spirit? And found 
and wisdom. So Jesus characterized meekness. Dallas Willard was one who uh, also walked in the way of Jesus and grew in meekness and gentleness. Meekness is also a quality that informed Martin Luther King Jr. and much of the civil rights movement of the 1960s. In fact, as early as 1957, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of a nonviolent confrontation that was grounded in love. It was founded on the meekness of Jesus. In fact, part of uh, his Christmas sermon in 1957, given at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, he says this, and I quote, To our most bitter opponents, we say, we shall match your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We shall meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we shall continue to love you. We cannot, in all good conscience, obey your unjust laws, because non-cooperation with evil is as much a moral obligation as is cooperation with good. Throw us in jail, and we shall still love you. Bomb our homes and threaten our children, and we shall still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community at the midnight hour and beat us and leave us half dead, and we shall still love you. But be ye assured that we will wear you down by our capacity to suffer. One day we shall win freedom, but not only for ourselves, we shall so appeal to your heart and conscience that we shall win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. You see, so much of Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, approach to, uh, to the social uh, upheaval, the social injustice of his day was fueled and motivated by the Christian idea of love, the concept and the power and motivation of love, and the meek quality that Jesus calls us into. I'd like to return to Matthew chapter 11. And that verse when Jesus says that you are to come, we are to come to him, and we are to take his yoke upon us. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus says. You see, this walking with Jesus is about learning in him. It's about coming to an awareness of who we are apart from him, uh, a need for him to cleanse us of our sin, and for him to, to put us in this new and right relationship with himself. But that's just the beginning of our journey. Because the rest of our journey, then, is one of learning through the rest of our life. And we only learn from Jesus by being with Jesus. Do you hear me now? We only learn who Jesus is and how he would do your life if he were in your shoes by spending time with him. It requires a priority of your life that is consistent through your life. Consistent through your day and your week. Consistent through your months. Consistent over your summer breaks. Consistent when things are flourishing in your life and when things seem so uh, dried up and barren. It is a consistent pursuit and time spent with Jesus. 
so that you can learn from him. That is his great invitation. So that over the course of your life, your life will resemble one who is more gentle and meek like Jesus himself. That is the calling of Jesus and the working that he wants to do in your life. You see, coming to Jesus and taking on his yoke that is light and easy is about resting. It's about resting in the goodness of the presence of Jesus in your life. It is about knowing what it is to regularly come to him as a fountain of life and drinking deeply from Jesus. I was talking to my brother this week, and and we were talking about the ways that people seem to be being discipled in our world today, even Christian brothers and sisters. And it seems to us, our fear is that more and more Christian believers are being discipled by media streams and outlets more than they are from the Bible and from their life and presence and learning from Jesus Himself, my hope for us as a church is that we together, no matter where we might be politically, individually, but together we would come around the person, the presence of Jesus in us, and we would celebrate Jesus. We would rejoice in the one who has come to save us, the one who has come to call us, the one who, out of his grace, opens wide the kingdom of heaven and invites all to come in. And has invited you to come in and wants you to be with him as you would give your life fully in trust to him. So taking the yoke of Jesus upon yourself is a yoke of learning. It's a yoke of resting. And finally, sister and brother, it is a yoke of living. It's living in the full life that Jesus desires for you. It's it's not settling for substitutes or fabrications or cheap knockoffs that the world will promise you will fill your life. But it's like eating Twinkies versus a great steak. (laughs) That there are so many imitations out there, but there's only one real Jesus. The real Jesus who wants to be with you. The real Jesus who opens his kingdom to you. The real Jesus who has come to die on the cross. The real Jesus who has really been raised from the dead, victorious over death, and has promised you a forever life with him. You see, it's living from a deep and centered soul that only Jesus provides, that is constantly gazing, you're setting your eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. It is living from a strength of settled inner life in Jesus that he brings to you, a strength that doesn't need to push its own way forward, a strength that doesn't need to promote itself. It is a strength that does not need to worry about the future because God holds our future. God holds your future. And when you place your trust and your faith completely into the hands of Jesus, he promises that he holds your future and your inheritance and you are sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day uh, that will come, the day of ultimate redemption and the day of his return. Psalm 37 says this about the future. And this is really what Matthew 5, 5, blessed 
are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Psalm 37, 10 and 11 says this, In a little while, uh, a little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. You see, this is a psalm, if you go back and read it, you would find it's a contrast between the wicked and the righteous. And the wicked and the righteous, the righteous who are so often uh, um, powerless, it seems, uh, because of the, the un, uh, unnecessary and uneven uh, influence of the wicked, and how the wicked seem to prosper without punishment at times. And we scratch our heads about that. But the promise is that God holds the future. And that no matter how things might seem today, that God will always eventually implement His justice and He will bring to bear the promises that He has made for you. And that promise is that He will come back and He will take those who have confessed their sin, those who have given their lives fully, completely in the hands of Jesus and, and laid their sin down at the foot of the cross, those who have confessed trust and believe in the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus says He will come back one day and He will claim you. He will not leave you as orphans, that He will take you to be with Him. And your inheritance then is all that He will offer to you. And what more could you want than what the gift of God would be for an eternity in your life? Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Living God, may it be so in our lives, Lord. We, we know that meekness is not something that's off-celebrated in our world, but it is in the Christian faith, not because it's weakness, not because we are powerless or have no strength, but because we find our strength in you, Lord. May you well up in us. May we, like John the Baptist, decrease so that you, Lord Jesus, might increase in us. And that your kingdom would grow and that people would know you in part because of the meekness they see in us. May we come to you and take your burden and your yoke upon us because it is light and easy. May we learn from you and rest in you and live from and with you. May it be so, Jesus, now, this day and all days. Amen.